0: Welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. I'm Jason Richmond, a fourth-generation road builder that started on a shovel and now serves as the Chief Operating Officer at BuildWit. This is the Ariat Dirt World Summit Series, where we will dig into the construction world, exploring the challenges, successes, and strategies that shape exceptional leadership and builds a thriving workforce in the dirt world. Join us as we sit down with some of the brightest minds and trailblazers in the construction industry. Our guests are leaders who have navigated the trenches, built businesses, cultivated strong teams, and fostered innovation to build the infrastructure that shapes our world. From technology, equipment, suppliers, and contractors, their experiences and insights will inspire and empower professionals at every level. I'm happy to introduce our guest, Sheldon Zitzman, Marketing Director at TigerTuff, Tough. Sheldon brings over a decade of sales and marketing experience and has served in a leadership role at Tiger Tough for the past seven years and researching his company online for the podcast, I love the following statement, Quote, so here's what it comes down to. We make seat covers, dang tough seat covers that hold up however long you drive your trucks and equipment, but it's not all we're about. We're an American manufacturer working for blue-collar Americans. That's more important than making seat covers. We're making America, you and us together, end quote. I'm excited to learn more about you, your business, talk leadership and workforce development, and why you chose to participate in the area at Dirt World Summit. Sheldon, welcome to the Dirt World
1: Podcast. Thanks, Jason. Looking forward to hanging out with you.
0: Absolutely, man. Hey, you know, just kind of had a little bit of a script there to read at the beginning, but now it's just normal conversation. You and I just, you know, talking about, uh, I want to learn more about you, your background, how you got into the industry. We'll talk a little bit about your business and Tiger tough. We'll hit leadership and some workforce development. And then, you know, why you decided to support the Ariat dirt world summit. So we'll just start from the top and tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Sweet. So yeah, I've, I've grown up in a farming community. Um, the town that I grew up in is actually the same town that we're headquartered in. Grand total of 320 people here. Wait, what town is that? It is Vesta, Minnesota. Very if good. If anybody's ever heard of it, I want to hear from them because if you blink, you'll miss it. <laughs> so I've been surrounded by blue collar folks my whole entire life. Um, I basically grew up at my dad's business. Um, he started out in life as a farmer and a truck driver, then he opened a shop supply business, which as a kid was basically my daycare. So I grew up as, as a little kid selling stuff to mechanics and farmers and truck drivers. And I've, I've been in it my whole life.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's play it back. Where was your first career? How'd you get started? Like get, walk me through some of the progression of of what's gotten you where, where you are today. First role, second role, all the way up to, you know, director level.
1: Uh, If we go right back to the beginning, we're talking summer vacation in middle school. When you grow up in a farming community, you get to pick rocks. Yeah. (laughs) And Picking rocks is one of those things that it's, it's a horrible job. And I think everyone should have to do it. Yeah. Riding along in the back. Tell me more
0: about that. Why, why should everyone have to pick rocks?
1: Because it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you know, you take, take an August afternoon cruising along. It's 90 degrees out sitting on the steel rack on the back of a four-wheeler, jump off, pick rocks out of dirt, throw them in a trailer. And you do that for a week. Yeah. I I think, I think it's good for people
0: yeah it was good I, I, for you, me. Yeah, I mean, I, you heard in the intro. I started on a shovel. you know, I'm fourth generation road builder, so worked on a grade crew, a paving crew, and worked my way up within the organization. But I think it gives you some perspective and appreciation for the work that's actually being done.
1: Absolutely. And then, I guess moving on from that, once I was old enough to start going to work which again, we're talking summer vacation out of, you know, later middle school, going into high school, I spent a lot of time cruising around with my dad. So like I said, he had, he had a business selling, um, like shop supplies, um, cleaning equipment and that to farms, mechanics and all that. So you'd have little Sheldon bouncing along selling, you know, whatever tool of the day it was some special promo. He'd be like, here you go. This is your promo. You get five bucks for everyone you sell. That's great. We're going along selling them. That's where I figured out I like selling stuff.
0: That's cool.
1: <laughs> so That's getting cool. out of school, I went directly into that. Went into a sales role there. Um, ended up getting getting a route around southern Minnesota, selling shop supplies, hand tools, pressure washers, cleaning chemicals. Just uh, banging on doors, going into shops, hanging out with mechanics, That's selling cool. them stuff.
0: I love it. I love it. So, so tell me, what is Tiger Tough?
1: So, Tiger Tough is in 2016. I came here. Um, we're we're a family owned company, and we had, we had the opportunity to to get into Tiger Tough. Um, the family that was that had originally owned it, the family they had started it, founder was sick. He wanted to get out, and so we're like, this makes sense. So, Tiger Tough. If we go if we take Tiger Tough all the way back to the beginning before it was Tiger Tough, it was a company that made western tack. So we're talking like bridles and reins and whips, stuff for western horsemanship. That ended up morphing into a company making custom car interiors for like show cars and stuff. And there's only so much business there, so the guy that had started it started getting into custom sewing because if you can make a car interior, you can make pretty much anything if you can sew it together. And we were working with Schwans. Not sure if you're familiar with Schwans, the ice cream people.
0: Mm-hmm, I am. The cool. yellow truck so, that used to drive around my neighborhood.
1: You got it. So the bag that they used, when they would take the frozen food out of that yellow truck, the bag that they put it in to bring it to your door, we were making those.
0: Interesting.
1: In, in, an insulated bag for them to get frozen stuff up to your door. It was 93, 1993 when they came to us and they were like, you guys are doing a great job making bags. We're making some other things for them. they were like, can you make a cover for our seats? Because all of our route drivers, they get in and out so many times that they're tearing up the seats in their trucks. Being a custom sewing company, we were like, sure, we can do that. And so we did. And that's, that's where the seed for Tiger Tough got planted. That's really cool
0: problem solution
1: exactly and that just slowly became you know all of a sudden we're like or the the people here at the time were like you know this could actually be a thing yeah start reaching out to other fleets they got the same problem so around 2006 ish is where the tiger tough name came into existence and then in 2016 is when was when i got here and we had to decide we were about 50-50 at that time making seat covers and a custom selling company. We had to decide, what do we want to do? And we were looking at the market, and we were looking at how much potential there was in, in both markets. There was a ton, and we're like, you know what? We can take a brand a product that's made in the USA, and we have full control over that product, and we can get this to fleets and business owners and operators all across the U.S., that's what we're going to buckle down on and that's what we've we've put 100 percent into that since 2016 and we're almost solely seat covers now
0: incredible so the product is seat covers who is it for
1: it is for as you said in the intro blue collar americans basically anybody that puts their work truck or a piece of equipment that uses it hard that uses it like a tool on a daily basis that's who it's for so we're working with plumbers, electricians, landscapers, first responders, law enforcement, construction. I think I said that twice. Um, farmers, ranchers, last mile delivery, people that are hard on equipment.
0: Very cool. Well, uh, obviously, problem solution. Glad that you know you've dug into that that space, and glad that construction is a part of it. You know, we talk about the dirt world all the time, and you know, that definition of dirt world is ever expanding. It's something that, you know, Aaron has coined, uh, you know, here at BuildWit uh, as a part of our mission. And so it's everything from sanitary storm and water to building roads and bridges and everything in between. Um, you know, very excited, uh, that, that you're serving that, that dirt world market with your seat covers. Um, tell me this to all the listeners that are out there listening, like, What differentiates your seat cover from any other seat cover that's out there?
1: We design for work first. So there's a lot of other seat covers out there. There's even a lot of good ones. But when you start looking into it, most of them are designed to either cover up your seat after you've wrecked it or make your truck look cool. You know, you get like the college logos and cool Hawaiian print or something like that we don't do that we that's that's why we picked work as our market i know that's super broad but we design our covers out of the toughest material you can get that's easy to work with it's a thousand denier cordura which is made in the usa and then a lot of covers will have the same stitching in them as your factory seats do so they look very similar or they'll have you know some cool pattern sewn into them. We don't do, we make the least amount of seams possible because seams are your weakest spot in anything that's sewn together. So we've taken the seat cover and designed it to be as tough as possible. And then we work on looks. So it's designed for strength first, then for looks. So performance is the most important thing.
0: Very good. Uh, so colors and, and logos, and I mean, you can get probably pretty custom based on who the customer is and what their desire is. Correct.
1: We can get super custom and that's so much fun. We've got an absolutely awesome embroidery team and we do this for so many of our customers where they'll take their own logo and we'll embroider that onto the seat back for them. Uh, So that is, that is sewn into the actual seat cover.
0: Okay, so I drive an F one fifty Tremor. I'm thinking I'm gonna to have to get a BuildWit and a Dirt World seat cover uh, for uh, for my truck. I think that would be incredible.
1: Totally. I mean, it's a, you got a sweet truck to start out with, so let's make the inside look <laughs> cool as well.
0: <laughs> it has been an incredible truck uh, for sure. Uh, so so tell me this: what's the process for doing business with you? It's like okay, this is great, Tiger Tuff. They got these cool seat covers. They're made in America. They're for blue collar. They're for me. I'm interested in them. I'm assuming they go to a website. Is there a storefront? Is it online? Is it social? What, what's the, what's that process look like?
1: Um, pretty much pick whatever works best for you. Um, the website is, is a great place to start where we, we sell everything there. So you, you can hop on there, punch in your trucks, details, punch in your heavy equipment's details. It'll show you which seat cover fits. You can purchase it right there. You can upload your embroidery. You're good to go. Um, otherwise, we're in around 800 truck accessory stores across the US and Canada. And for fleets with 100 plus vehicles and pieces of equipment, um, we've got a designated fleet sales team that's, that's here to take care of them personally. And then if, if you got less than that and don't feel like calling or don't feel like purchasing online, just give us a call. We've got real humans in Minnesota that answer the phone.
0: Incredible, real humans.
1: Yes, that's no recordings.
0: Fantastic. That's fantastic. Now I'm kind of curious as you say that, um, uh, ha- ballpark, how many employees do you guys have? How many team members?
1: Uh, we're just shy of 100. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and-
0: M- majority of them in manufacturing, or are you kind of 50-50 on office and sales versus manufacturing? How does that work?
1: The majority of our people are in manufacturing. Um, we've yeah. got We've got two factories in Minnesota. Um one in Vesta, the tiny town nobody's heard of, and then one in Oakdale, which is a suburb in the Minneapolis-St. Paul region.
0: That's incredible. Well, before we move on to leadership and workforce development, I'm I'm curious, like what's what's one thing I haven't asked you about Tiger Tough that you're like, man, I just hope everybody knows this about our business.
1: I think one thing that so what gets me fired up about Tiger Tough is that we're a family-owned company, but we're run on corporate principles. So that means that being family-owned, there isn't some giant corporate conglomeration that you have to deal with. There's really a, a very small group of directors, and that lets us move really, really quickly. And, but... On the other hand, being run on corporate principles means that it's not a, for lack of better words, mom and pop shop. Yeah, and being able to move quickly. So, just as a quick story about moving quickly, we didn't launch he- uh, seat covers for heavy equipment until June of 2022. Mm. We had we worked with a lot of construction companies, and a lot of them were saying. Okay, you cover our trucks, you cover our pickups, you cover our dump trucks. We need seat covers for excavators, wheel loaders, dozers, you name it. And we're just like, eh, hang on a minute. We're going to get everything perfected on work trucks. And I finally got to the point where we were like, why don't we do this? And so that was about all it took. We said, we're going to do this. And we saw, we started, we started getting the word out there. And from with within about it was just under a year we went from zero to over 700 different models of equipment covered. Mm. Because we were able to make that decision really quickly with, with a small group of decision makers, but then delegate and assign tasks out and get people that are really good at what they're doing, doing that. We, we could blow through it and, and get that launched quick. One more thing made in the USA non-negotiable. So our mission is to build a brand that blue collar Americans can be proud of. And we say there's two things that we have to do. If we're going to do that, if you're building something that has to be made in the U S and it has to be the best, most durable, whatever it is that you make. If we're going to build a brand that blue collar Americans can be proud of. So that's where we're going.
0: Absolutely. I love it. That's fantastic. Um, Thanks for sharing, you know, your, your story there, obviously, uh, you know, with such an, uh, you know, a great brand and delivering a high quality product, I can only imagine that, you know, y- you have a strong leadership culture within your, within your organization. Talk to me about, you know, what qualities do you believe make up a great leader?
1: Oh, they have to be humble, hungry, kind, and confident. Mm. So I'll just break those down really, really quickly. But humble is you can get your own ego out of the way. You're not scared to say, hey, I made a mistake. Or, hey, I need some help. And you're OK with the team taking the credit. That's humble.
0: 100%. Hungry,
1: you're looking for more to do. Or you're looking for, basically, you're looking for more. You're looking to be better. Like, yesterday is past. If you were good yesterday, you got to be better today, or else you're going backwards. Kind, I mean, that's just be nice to people and and confident, self-confident doesn't mean cocky, but it just means that, you know, that either you can get it done or you can get the help to get it done. And you're not, a, you're not scared to jump in over your head and figure out how to get out. That's those four attributes are what we look for in every single person that comes to work here.
0: I love it. I noticed that you used the word attributes. Have you read the attributes by Rich DeVinny by any chance?
1: I haven't yet, but I will before the Dirt World Summit.
0: All right. Yeah. No. We, Rich is a great friend of ours and uh, incredible, incredible leader. But I love those attributes. Um, you know, kind of some leadership philosophies. You know, as well as you know, as as you're talking about, you know, humble, hungry, kind, and confident. I guess my question is. It's incredible that you know that how is that disseminated within your organization? How do you teach it? How do you coach it? How do you recognize it? Like what, what do you do to really instill those leadership values within, within your organization?
1: Well, it's a, it's a big part of onboarding. First of all, like I just, I just had the pleasure of onboarding two new team members yesterday and even though I'm not going to train them in their day-to-day tasks, I still spend the first half a day with them. So they're, they were in my department, but basically the, the director of whichever department is going to do this or the manager of whichever department, spend some time with them, go over those. And I, I like to give them some examples. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share some examples of mistakes I've made and I didn't get fired because we learned from them. They were expensive. But we learned a lot of lessons, and we're not not going to let that happen again. And then we live it. So if if the team hears me asking for help, or they hear another director asking for help, or admitting you don't know something but you got to look it up, or you know pick pick something like that, they notice that and they pick that up. Um, just just the other day, we had uh, end of the month, absolutely epic. Um, end of the month. And we were all congratulating the production manager. And he's like, it's not me. Team did it. The people making the stuff, the people shipping the stuff did it. So I I think you got to live it and you got to talk about it.
0: That's really good. No, I I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, You know, you're talking about leading by example, you're talking about being vulnerable. I love what you said about lessons learned. Could you dig in there a little bit? You know, not too many people like to talk about mistakes that they've made. And so, you know, what are some important lessons that you've learned as a leader, uh, you know, from a lessons learned standpoint, and how do you go about sharing those when you're, when you're leading, you're not supposed to be talking about mistakes. Are you?
1: Uh, yes. (laughs) Okay. Conventional wisdom says no, I say, yes, (laughs) I agree. Um, I guess as on a leadership front, I would say a major thing I've learned is you have to communicate with your people. Mm -hmm. And if you think you're communicating enough, you're probably not. Yeah. Because I, I like to have a good time and I like to go fast, but I don't necessarily like to sit down and have in-depth conversations but when i started having regular one-on-ones with my team and about the second or third month in it's i started having fun because they started opening up and they started talking and it wasn't scary for them because i mean ooh, i gotta sit down with the manager and i gotta talk about what i'm worried about but once we once you do that a few times yeah the the they'll come people will come to the meeting and i, I like to ask Really with a one-on-one, I like to leave that as unstructured as possible. And I say, what's got you absolutely fired up for this month? And what's got you banging your head against the wall? And we take, we take those two things. We'll we'll brush over the what's got you fired up because that's good. And whatever's got you banging your head against the wall, we're going to work on fixing that. But you that's just,
0: fantastic.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned is to communicate with your people.
0: That's really, really good. Uh, so when you find that banging your head against the wall, I'm assuming that you walk away from that meeting with some type of a, a an action plan, follow up, uh, you know, uh, talk to me a little bit about, it's one thing you hear about a lot of people who meet and they talk about the problem, but they don't really take action with, you know, moving forward. So you do a one-on-one, you figure out what's going on. You got some fires. What's that look like afterwards?
1: Well, um, yeah, exactly what you said. Usually it's me that comes away with takeaways, things that I have to do to take a load off of their plate. Um, just the most recent example I can think of, I had sat down with our customer service team leader and customer service is, I think, one of the most important parts of our company because I can do all the marketing our, our team can do. You know, I can, I can get our team to do all the marketing Amazing marketing and our sales team go out and sell. And if people have a horrible experience, then everything falls flat in its face. And it was a waste of time and money. So customer service is so important. So I was sitting down with our customer service team leader. And I asked her, I said, what's got you banging your head against the wall? She was like, I feel like I'm behind on everything. Like I'm just so overloaded. I can't keep up. Well, the two people that we onboarded yesterday are taking that load off her plate. So that that's what, what we came away with there was like we knew our workload was ramping up and we knew it was getting too high. But when she said, Hey, I go home at the end of every day and I've still got too much stuff left to do and it's bothering me, I said, Well, we got we gotta fix it. So that's we It's incredible. We, yeah.
0: Yeah, one of our you know, one of our speakers at the summit's gonna be Jocko Willink, and you know, he wrote that famous book, Extreme Ownership. And what I just heard you say was, um You know, when you diagnose that fire, you know, you took that on your shoulders. It was, you know, every problem is a leadership problem. And so what can I do to dive into this to help solve for that? Um, How does that make your people feel when you take ownership of of challenges like that?
1: Well, I think it makes them realize that you actually care. Because on the other hand, I have also walked away from meetings in the past and where I said, yep, we'll get that done. And next month. We didn't get that done and then contributions or people bringing stuff to you dropped off and then you don't know about your problems and pretty soon the whole place is burning down and nobody knows why Yeah. so i think once once you once you diagnose the problem and figure out a solution you got you got to take care of it fast
0: yeah you got to follow up or they'll stop, stop coming to you exactly You know, what's interesting, you know, we, we've learned a little bit about your business. You're in manufacturing, you're you're creating these incredible seat covers, um, you know, and some people might be trying to think through, well, this is very different from construction, but at the end of the day, you're running a business and, you know, that's the thing that we've got to realize is that, you know, caring for your people and and identifying these challenges and following up on them and, and, and taking extreme ownership, like, the the only way that you're going to create an environment where people want to be, which is going to help with attracting this next generation into the industry is, is through leadership. And so it's one of the reasons why we're talking about leadership and workforce development, you know, at this level is you got to take care of your, your current team, your current staff and create this new culture and environment uh, where, where, where people are really excited to be there and, and when they think about your organization, it's like, man, I love working there because, man, if I have a challenge, they solve it. If I talk with Sheldon, I know I'm being heard. And, you know, they, they surround us with great people and they provide education and training and they, you know, the safety is there. I mean, like there's all these great things. And so what I'm hearing you say is that you care for your people and that you're you're creating an environment that not only do they want to be, but as you look at growing or expanding You know, it's a place that they're going to help become your biggest champion and brand ambassador and help you recruit, you know, more people into your organization. And whether that's at Tiger Tough or, you know, company XYZ in the dirt world, I think that's the thing that we want people thinking about is how do we take care of our current people uh, to a level that it's a, everybody wants to be a part of it.
1: I 100% agree. Like Like you said at the beginning there. You, know, you might say, "Well, making seat covers is a lot different than construction." But where what we're talking about, it's not. It doesn't matter if you're coding financial software, or directional drilling, or making seat covers. You got to get a whole bunch of people together, and you got to get them pulling in the same direction. That's, and then you got to get out of their way.
0: Hundred percent. And you know, we talked about this on some other uh, conversations, but it, it, this is a big industry, and we're all running businesses and within each of those businesses, there's, there's, there's the field crews, there's the office, there's it, there's HR, there's sales and marketing. So, you know, as we start to transition into workforce development conversation and thinking about, you know, attracting the next generation in, you know, we started this conversation out with saying everybody should have to pick rocks. And so, you know, I I hope that our listeners are still relaying that message to the next generation workforce that it's okay to start out on a shovel, it's okay to start out picking rocks, and you know wh- over time you will learn and grow and develop into um, you know whatever it is that you want to be. And 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 I would just really encourage people to come into the industry and whether it's dirt or asphalt or making seat covers or building equipment or you know, laying sanitary storm water, whatever it is, come into the industry. It's an incredible trillion dollar industry. Come into construction, try as many things as you can, figure out what you're passionate about, find some great people that are going to care for you. And the career path will start showing up. Uh, I've heard career path a lot. Yeah, we should paint a picture of from the shovel to the C-suite. But at the end of the day, you know, it's hard to tell somebody where they're going to be in 30 years. And so it's like, just get started, come join us, come build relationships, come figure out what you like, come figure out what you don't like. And at the end of the day, you'll start carving out opportunities for yourself.
1: Totally agree with you. And on, on career path, like, like we we say here, we're, we're recruiting very heavily right now for pretty much every position that you can, that we have, if, if, If you meet those, those four attributes, if you're humble, hungry, kind, and confident, we'll have a place for you. And if, if you want to be a sewing machine operator and you don't know how to sew, that is perfectly fine because we've got really, really good ones that can teach you. And, and like you said, with career path, some people, like you said, you, you, you can't exactly paint a path from shovel to C-suite. And some people want to be on the shovel. We've got some people here that have been here for years. They've been here longer than I have. They came here and they started sewing and they still sew today because they love to be able to come to work and do the same thing and do it really, really well. That's still being hungry as far as I'm concerned. If you want to be the best shoveler in the entire world, then do it.
0: That's fantastic. That's a really, really, really valid point. I'm glad that you said that. Uh, I totally 100% agree with you. Every role, every responsibility is important. It is the entire team that, that makes up, you know, uh, the organization and it takes everybody doing what they do to the best of their abilities and, uh, could not agree with you more. I'm really glad that you made that point.
1: And then the same goes for climbing the ladder too, though. Um, We've got some just epic stories of of people that we, we've got we've got one person in sales, we've got our, one of our production managers, and our head of R and D all started sewing. They just came here. If we take if we take the, um, the the person that's in sales, she came here again on her summer break in high school. She was so shy, wouldn't talk to anyone, and she sewed one part number for an entire summer. The next year, moved up into inspection and shipping, still did some sewing. Then in her first year of college, she interned with us in customer service. I was like, you know what? I'd kind of like to get into sales. And she ended up going to school for sales. Now she's with us in sales. So yeah. this, the same goes for our production manager of one of our facilities. She started out sewing sea covers together, but she wanted to grow and she wanted to climb the proverbial ladder, so she did.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Curious, just kind of, what do you think is the biggest challenge that we're facing in the workforce today?
1: That's a good question. Um.
0: I'm assuming, you know, with everything that's going on here, there's been a lot of reports out there and a lot of stats, you know, in terms of uh, by 2031, 40% of the construction industry is going to retire You know, uh, we need 560,000 new people coming into the workforce in 2023 alone. So, you know, as I start thinking about, you know, some of the challenges in the workforce, it might be just, you know, where, how are we going to attract new people into the industry? Um, you know, you mentioned onboarding earlier, but you know, how do we, how do we onboard them and train them? You know, so just thinking through that people life cycle, you know, as, as we think about challenges and, and workforce, Uh, You know, what are some of your thoughts on how we're going to attract this next generation?
1: So when you said, what is the biggest problem in the workforce? People getting people was what I wanted to say, but I feel like that was going to be the easy answer. But uh, I I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, we need as as leaders, we need to be marketers. We need to market Mm. our businesses. We need to we need to show people what we do. Well, just take, taking us for, for example, our headquarters is in a town of 320 people. And we need, to, we need to be flying the Tiger tough flag that says, like, we're making stuff in the USA, folks. Do you want to be a part of this or what? And then, again, so many people have said it, but we need to show people that if, if you can hone a trade, you will never ever be out of work like if you can weld or if you're a plumber like people are never going to stop putting toilets in their houses um the the town i live in now is not a big city it's uh just over 5000 people and if you if you want to get a plumber if you don't have an emergency you're going to wait because there's only a couple of good ones and they're really really busy yeah That's so it's powerful I think, and I know I've seen the term, I've seen seen the term around before too. But talking about being a being a blue collar millionaire, if if you can if you go to trade school, and you become a really good plumber and a really good business manager, it's not going to take you long to be a blue collar millionaire. Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, you know, you you combine a a great job with some great financial stewardship, mm-hmm. and. Uh, definitely blue collar millionaires. There's, there's, there's probably a lot more of them than we know about because of that humble, uh, you know, term that we talked about.
1: Totally. You know,
0: I've heard Aaron Witt talk about this before many times in many different places. Um, he says, you know, we need to meet the next generation where they are. And, you know, most of the time where they are is, you know, I've, I've grabbed my mobile phone for all of you that are listening Mm -hmm. is they're on, they're on mobile. So, Um, social media, you know, communications, connectivity websites, you know, when you start talking about telling your story, I'm, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, what does that look like for Tiger tough? What does that look like? You know, in terms of attracting that next generation, how do you get that story out? It, it's probably verbal in terms of in-person as well. Brand ambassadors, employees, you know, et cetera, customers talking about you, um, But but what are what are some of your thoughts on you know how do we do what you said you know leaders need to become marketers to really connect with that next generation how how
1: do we do that? Well, I can give you an example of what we are starting on now. This is something that is in the launch phase, but I was talking with our HR director the other day. We we had both worked late. We're sitting in the office and we're talking about how with our growth plans for next year, how many people we need. It's an astounding number. And also I got thinking, I'm like, you know what? We can't just let, can't just make HR do the recruiting. It's like, my role in this whole entire company is to go out on the internet and find strangers and get them to come buy our stuff. It's like, why don't we just spin that, go out on the internet, find strangers and get them to come work here? Yes. So we are literally launching a digital ad campaign from a marketing perspective, not an HR perspective. And one thing that that I found converts really really well for us is testimonials. So we're getting we're basically going to be putting out testimonials from the people that work here about what it's like to work here. And you get somebody that's driving, you know, somebody that lives 15 minutes from here or half an hour from here. And they're like, you know what I could, I, I can go work in a place where it's always warm in the winter and cool in the summer and it's clean and bright and safe. And the people are going to be nice to me and I can become the controller if I want to. I mean, you might as well.
0: That's absolutely incredible. I I love that. I think that's extremely wise on your part. And I'll be following along to see how that works out for you. I I have a feeling that uh your your marketing mindset will connect with customers and you know once they can see uh and hear from those testimonials and your brand ambassadors of your organization if you're taking care of them once the once you get them in and connected that you know that's really going to convert uh you know people uh wanting to come work for you. So Really excited to hear that you're trying new things and trying to attract, you know, people into your business. I think that's super cool. All right. Well, so let's talk about the Ariat Dirt World Summit. So, you know, we have an incredible three days uh, lineup. You know, day one, there's some options. You've got the golf outing, the Dirt World Open uh, which is benefiting dream on three. And then there's some workshops day two. We've got Jocko Willink and his entire team from echelon front. And then day three, we've got, you know, an, a, a powerful lineup of speakers uh, talking about, you know, attracting, hiring training and retaining kind of is the, the, the cycle that we've went through the people life cycle with, you know, everybody from Bob Chapman, we've got Dave Turin, we've got Joe Hart. We've got some great leaders, uh, from the industry with dan garcia um, we've got jackie Alf, we've got Katie page, uh, Jorge Casada, uh, really excited about you know just the three day lineup. Why did you decide to sponsor the summit, and what are you most excited about?
1: Well, I felt like we had to sponsor it because our missions line up so perfectly because you're here to make the dirt world a better place on the people and the leadership side and we're here we're doing the same thing with their equipment and so if, if you take let's say you get a kid out of high school that shows up and he's like hey i want to learn how to run a dozer and on day one you get in and it's ankles deep in sunflower seeds and looks like the seat hosted a raccoon family reunion it's just not a good not a good first day so like <laughs>
0: <laughs> For those of you that are listening, I just took a small drink of coffee, and I about spit my coffee all over my desk. So that was and incredible.
1: That, that was not <laughs> intentional.
0: <laughs> no, that was man. Fant- was perfect timing.
1: <laughs> so uh, I figured if 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 the the people that are gonna be there are not okay with leaving things the way they've always been, leadership wise, and if they're okay if they're not okay with it, leadership wise. They're gonna be okay with changing everything. Like the the saying, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it." I hate that saying so much <laughs> because it's like, no, keep fixing it because it could probably be better. Yeah. That the the, cool. the people that are coming to the summit are those kind of people. I mean, it's it's not cheap to go. It's three days off of work, and but the the value that you can get if, if you want to take it on is awesome. And so to be able to come spend time with those people is we had to sponsor it.
0: Absolutely. Well, we are a hundred percent grateful for you. Grateful for Tiger tough, uh, super excited to see you, uh, you know, in Houston this October. Um, and, uh, we know that it's going to be an absolute, you know, incredible event Uh, As you said, you know, joining industry leaders and experts and like-minded professionals uh, for an experience like no other. So really appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to to talk with us today on the podcast. And, um, you know, that wraps up another Ariat Dirt World Summit Series podcast. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable leadership and workforce development insights. Uh, If you want to learn more about the Dirt World Summit, visit DirtWorld.com. And thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep leading in the dirt world, building leaders, projects, and communities. Sheldon, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Jason. It was a blast. Awesome. Man, you did an incredible job.